everybody. How's everybody doing? Great. You loving the weather? Yes. Yes. Amen. We get about two weeks of fall, but it is glorious, right? Then winter steps in, and for those of you that are new, my name is Cole, and I'm an associate pastor here at the church. Pastor Roland Fisher is the lead pastor back there, and as you can tell by opening my mouth, I'm from North Carolina uh, originally, and I got used to having this fall weather from, you know, like September all the way up until December, like December 26th, and uh, then having winter for January, and then coming into spring after that. So this was quite an adjustment to come up here. Just so I know, like, who I'm talking to again, who all is not from Chicago originally? Raise your hand. Oh, come on. All right. Well, Chicago is known as a transient city, and it has just been displayed here where 90% of the hands went up. So thanks for bearing with me in that. Well, like I said, my name is Cole. I didn't come here to talk to you about weather today. We came here to talk about, guess what, Jesus, because <laughs> we were in church. That's what we're going to do today. And if you were with us last week, we started a new series, and the new series is called In It, Not Of It. What are we referring to when we say in it and not of it? So basically, we are in the world as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, but we are categorically no more of the world. We are not just flesh and bones. We are not just dirt that has been formed but we have been breathed into by the very breath of God and regenerated when we come to Jesus and we ask him to forgive us of our sins and then we receive him as Lord and Savior and we begin to walk a new life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is the only way that we do it. So as Aluchi was up here talking about the three things we believe in, Christ, community, and culture, every single Sunday you're unashamedly going to hear us talk about Jesus Christ, who he is, what he has done, what he is doing, and his soon and coming return according to God the Father's timing. So we don't know how long you're going to be in the world, is what I'm trying to say. Nobody knows. Today may be the very last day just because we all have a time that is set by our Heavenly Father above, or we may be here for a full 120 years, like Scripture says. Nobody knows. Jesus may come back. He may tarry. He may not. So it is imperative that we know how to live while we are here and that it is urgent, that it is on our hearts constantly burning what pleases God, what pleases Jesus as our Lord, and how can we follow him uh, every day. So that is what we're going to talk about today, is how to be in the world but not of it. So we've started our series going through the book of Daniel. That's in the Old Testament. And the book of Daniel is named after uh, Daniel, who was taken into exile along with the Israelites. The reason they had to go into exile was simply because God had told them when he gave them the promised land, hey, here's how you live in the promised land in order to be fruitful, in order to be prosperous, in order to, to grow, in order to love me. This is what it looks like, but I'm a God of justice as well, and I removed people out of this land in order to put you in this land because they did not follow me. They continued in their ways that were displeasing to me. We call that sin. That's what the Bible calls it. So because of it, I removed them out of it, and I gave it to you, my chosen people. Now, if you do not follow me and obey me and love me as I have told you to through my commandments, through the law, then I also will remove you from the land 
for a season, but I am a covenant-keeping God, and I will bring you back to it. So what had happened here is that he began, God, he took them out of the land according to his promise because he's faithful, and he always fulfills his word. And then uh, Daniel was one of the first of the exiles from Israel to go over to Babylon. That was the name of the kingdom that came and took them over. And so he was there along with at least three of his close friends, and they were of the royal line uh, from Israel. So it was kind of a trophy for the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, to bring them back as the first fruits of conquering the land. And the reason he brought them back was because he wanted to re-educate them. He basically wanted to wipe the slate clean of all that they had been... um, taught about God, who he is, his power, but also wanted to teach them. It says for three years, and as Pastor Ron said last week, it's kind of funny that he had determined to teach them for three years. This kind of sounds like a university, right? For three years, the ways of Babylon. And he would not even talk to them until they had gone through that training, and then they could come into his presence and talk to him. So he wanted to know that they were going to be on his side and that they were worthy of being there. And so we're going to continue now with Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 through 21. We're going to read through the scripture, we're going to pray, and then we're going to go line by line and talk about three main points. So if you want to turn to Daniel 1, we're going to read chapters 8 through 21 out of the ESV together. I'll give you a second to get there if you want to. Okay, Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 8. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age. So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, um, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time... When the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and eunuchs that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. All right, let's pray. Well, Father God, we thank you uh, for giving your word so it would be written down so that we would know all about how you've been working in uh, the affairs of, of humans and the affairs of men and women and in the affairs of nations. And you wrote it down so that we could 
know you better so that we could learn what pleases you. We could learn what you are like, who you are. And so, Lord, we pray now that you would clear our minds and our hearts and allow us to receive what you have for us as a church, but also individually, Lord. We pray that you would uh, break chains in our lives that keep us from loving you and serving you and that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, so there are three things I want you to take out of this message today. Now, the, mess, the title of this message is called Boundaries in Babylon. Boundaries in Babylon. Now, Babylon represents the world and the world system, the way that they do things uh, that is counter to the way that God in his kingdom does things. And so the three things that we are going to take out of this today is number one, if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to resolve, resolve not to be defiled by the world. It's going to take some resolution in our hearts. Number two, we have to welcome the testing of our faith by the world because it's going to get tested. And number three, through this process, God will promote us and preserve us, okay? So number one, let's go through again. We have to resolve not to be defiled by the world. Number two, we have to welcome the testing of our faith by the world. And number three, we have to know that God will promote and he will preserve us when all of this is taking place. So you may be asking, how do we know this? Well, that's why we're going to go to the word. So if you could break up the scripture again, we're going to go to verse one. Okay, so verse 1, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. So the very first thing that we have to do if we're going to follow God here in the earth, we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to take up our cross and follow him until he comes back, which we don't know what that is, we have to be a people of resolve. We have to make a firm commitment that it is not wavering. We have to be married, so to speak, to Jesus. This is for better or for worse. It doesn't matter if I'm surrounded by corruption around me. It doesn't matter if I walk by Starbucks on every block that is calling out with those mermaids, buy me, spend your money here. You know how they are. I get it all the time in Chicago. There are 200 Starbucks in Chicago, roughly. That's crazy, guys. And they're always calling out those mermaids are. So you have to dissolve, uh, resolve, not to dissolve, <laughs> uh, so that you can continue on when you are in a culture that you are foreign to. And if you were following Jesus, trust me, you were in a culture that is more and more and more becoming foreign to you. Now, uh, let me explain. I'm not talking about the culture of the United States necessarily, even though we're in the United States. I'm talking about the culture of the world. Now, when we say culture, we're talking about something that is developed, something that has grown, okay? And the world has a system in the way that they do things, and it is not always the same way that God does things. So we are constantly going to have our resolve tested to do that. Now, some key notes I want you to take that are going to happen when you make this resolve are that resolve will lead to favor. Doesn't seem like it, but it will lead to favor. 
How do we know that? So therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And even before we go into favor, I want to talk about the character of having resolve as well. When we think of resolve, this is usually what we think of. Mm, I am not going to do what you are telling me to do. Am I right? Like we think about the bitter beer face that we're in this course like, mm, you know, we get that about us. Guys, it doesn't have to be like that. Just like we were talking about fasting, you know, anoint your head with oil, wash your face, and have resolve on the inside. Have resolve in the secret place where Jesus said, if you go into the secret place to pray, and if you give in secret, I will reward you openly. So resolve takes place in the secret place, okay? So now Daniel, as he was here with, he, so he was a youth, number one, okay? He was a youth. He was taken against his will from his home into a foreign land, and he was basically a slave, okay, because he had to do what they said they were going to do. So he knew what he was dealing with, but instead of having rebellion, it just simply says he asked the eunuch if he could not defile himself. So we can approach what seems to be our oppressors around us and even the system around us through a spirit of humility. And we can expect God to give us favor with the people that he has placed in the system. As you read through the New Testament, you're going to hear the term the, like a man of peace or a person of peace. It doesn't mean that that person is a follower of Jesus, but it means that they're, they're, they're agreeable. And God will place people of peace around us, our bosses at our job. And it may not be the first level boss, it may be the next level boss, but there's somebody that he's going to give you that is a person of peace that will show their favor to you. But I believe, and through personal experience, that until we have that resolve on the inside that, okay, God, I resolve to follow you, and I can't do it on my own. It's only by you, by your spirit, that I'm going to be able to do this. Will that person be revealed and kind of released to help us? So we have to come up with that resolve first by faith. And the reason it's by faith, as a reminder, is that the only thing that pleases God is, say it, faith. Right? That's what Scripture says. There's only one thing that pleases God, and that is faith. Why does God not make things easy? Why do we even have to come up with this resolve in the first place? It's because God wants to build the most precious and valuable asset in us, which is called faith. And we can't build it unless we go to the gym of faith and exercise those muscles. So, number one, he'll give us favor, and he'll have compassion on us even in a hostile circumstance. And so, and God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. So there's two, there's three words right there at the beginning of verse nine, and God gave. Don't overlook that. Don't miss it. Because it doesn't say, and the chief of the eunuchs gave favor or had compassion. Nope. It is God that gives the ability to have resolve. And it is God that gives the ability. He gives the favor. He takes those who have been placed over us in a system that we don't agree with, and he moves on their hearts. Psalms talks about how it's God who holds the heart of kings in his hand, and he turns it like water where, and where he will, basically. So if you're in a position at work where you're feeling buffeted, resolve to follow God 
and he's going to give you favor with the people. It doesn't matter what those people look like right now or what their hearts are like. God will give you favor with them. If you're in a court battle right now, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is not going to work out. Everything is, is against me. God can give you favor if it is a just cause. If you've already gone that far with it, do not give up. God will give you that favor. Amen? All right, interaction. I love it. Thank you. Woo! Okay. So, also, I want to point out, as we're on this first point, that merit does not guarantee acceptance or favor, but only God brings it. Can I tell you a personal story real quick from, from my life? So I grew up in the church. Most of you uh, that I know know that. And, um, but I was not born again, I don't believe, until I was 25 years old because even though I knew all the right things to say about God, I had no resolve to follow Jesus, which makes me think I did not even have the Holy Spirit in my life <laughs> because I had no resolve. I wanted to do things my own way. So I thought that if I work hard enough, if I build this business that I'm involved with uh, correctly enough, if I network with the right people, that I will receive favor and I will become financially independent and then I'll be able to go serve God one day on my own. I can not only be a missionary that doesn't need funding myself, but I could fund other missionaries because I was financially independent because I worked really hard. Well, let me tell you, Yes, we have the, what the word calls the Protestant work ethic, and we believe in hard work. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, Scripture says. But if you are fighting against God and not doing the thing that he has called you to do, you're never going to have the favor. You're never going to succeed. The only way is to repent and turn around and to do what God has called you to do. Or if you're building it on top of a foundation that is not the foundation of God and his everlasting kingdom, Everything you're building is going to crumble, and it's the mercy of God if he allows you to not succeed in it. So we got to look at it from different ways. Okay, also, since the name of the message is Boundaries in Babylon, so that we don't uh, cross boundaries and become of the world, not just in it, Proverbs 25, 28 tells us that a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. I'll say it again. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So if we don't have one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, which Galatians 5.20 tells us is self-control at work, we're just leaving ourselves open to all kinds of attacks that we have brought on ourselves, honestly, because we have not exercised this gift from the Holy Spirit, this fruit of the Holy Spirit called self-control. So I pray now that, that we will see self-control not as an obstacle to grace and freedom and living and all the, you know, the fun that God has for us, but we'll see self-control as actually a means of grace to receive all that he has from us without the negative things that are usually attached to it. Amen? Does that make sense? Okay, good. Okay, guys, now we're going to move on to point number two. We must welcome the testing of our faith by the world. We cannot think that because our, our resolve, our boundaries are being pressed up against, being rammed against, that we're doing the wrong thing. It actually usually means that you're doing the right thing. 
if you're, if you're being tested like that. And so the scripture tells us as we move on, let's see here, uh, verse 10, And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who assigned your food and your drink. So basically he's saying, it wasn't me who had this idea, Daniel. It was the king, the sovereign, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, that is holding me accountable for this. And so who assigns your food? For why should he see that you are in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? People around you, like this eunuch, are not going to have always the same faith that you have. And so they're going to have doubt, and that doubt's going to press against your faith as well. And then you're going to be like, oh, maybe he's right. Maybe I just need to just loosen up and relax a little bit and be more like the, the people that I'm with in the ungodly ways. Maybe I should be full of fear of the human king or the human um, government that's in place as well or the workplace government that's there. Maybe, maybe I should do that too. And so, but instead of falling into that, he says, so you would endanger my head with a king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servant for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. Guys, faith is not irrational. Faith is not illogical. Faith is not afraid to be tested. So we need to even welcome the test and say, okay, test me in this to the people who are saying that this is not going to work. Be like, okay, I can understand. It looks crazy in person that I would get out of a boat like Peter, walk on water, but I'm telling you, Jesus has called me to get out of this boat, and he has called me to walk on water So I'm going to get out and I'm going to walk on the water. And we as Christians, because we have a living God, Jesus is alive right now, because he is, we do not have to be afraid of being let down when God tells us to do something. You can say to all of those people who say they don't believe in God because of rational, logical reasons, in humility, you can say, okay, well, let's, let's, let's test this. Let's see. Because I know God has said to do this. Now, Scripture says, don't test the Lord your God. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the commandments, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about if God has called you to do something, it's okay to step out and to let people check the results of it. For example, if we're praying for somebody to be healed because we believe that God is a healer, and they say, well, I feel better, should they be afraid to go to the doctor? and get it checked out now, if they said they feel better? No, they should not be. If they had a broken bone, we pray for them, and they're like, oh my gosh, I can move it now. I can put all my weight on it. I can run. We should be like, great, go to the doctor then and get it x-rayed if it really is healed. We don't have to live in a cave just because we're saying that we're living by faith. We can be open to people testing it, and we don't have to get offended when people want to test it either. We can say, okay. All right, well, you do what you need to do. You guys remember uh, the 12 disciples? They were full of fear. They were hiding in the, uh, in the upper room after the resurrection. They didn't know what was going to happen. And Jesus appeared to all of them except for Thomas. So I don't know where Thomas was at at this time. It's kind of funny to think about. But so finally Thomas showed up, and they were like, we saw Jesus. He's like, I am not going to believe 
unless I put my hand in the holes in his, in his wrists and my hand in the hole in his side. And Thomas had walked with Jesus for three years. And he still said that. He saw multiple people healed. But in this one area, he still didn't have faith. Now, Jesus very easily could have said, well, don't, don't test the Lord your God. I'm not going to show you. But he didn't. Why? Because he's merciful. And he came and he said, put it here. And he allowed him to do it. And then Thomas believed. So it's all about the condition of the heart when we're talking about, about testing God. So we have to pray for discernment and ask God to help us discern where our hearts are at. Okay, am I testing you when I should just be having faith? Or do I really have like just, just a block here that I'm asking you to have mercy on and, and show yourself and reveal yourself to me in a new way? That takes, that takes wisdom. Okay, and then moving on from there. Number three, promoted and preserved. Promoted and preserved. And as we pick up where we read off. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the ewes who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. So God proved it. They got fatter and were in better condition by eating vegetables because, not because they were eating vegetables, but because they had stepped out in faith and chosen not to eat the food or drink the wine that would make them dependent on the king, number one, but also it may have been sacrificed to other idols, and they didn't want to just take the chance. They were like, you know, it may have been sacrificed. I don't want to even take the opportunity of eating it, that it may have been, so I'm going to play the safe card. And I just want to tell you guys, too, it's okay to play the safe card. You don't have to feel bad about being overly cautious or overly safe. Your conscience is very, very precious. It is very precious. And you should do whatever needs to be done within the freedom of Christ to protect your conscience so that it is not defiled because what happens, even though they, they may have been able to eat the food, maybe the food wasn't sacrificed to idols, right? And Paul tells us in the New Testament that eat whatever is set before you and don't raise a question about whether it was sacrificed to idols. Now, if somebody tells you it was sacrificed to idols, then abstain from that. But if you don't know, but you think, and your conscience is being seared, then you need to, to, to stay away from it. I just want to think of a great example, talk about it just briefly. Are you guys familiar with a mighty man of God who recently went home to be with him named Billy Graham. Can you think of one accusation that was brought against Billy Graham uh, in the realms of money or sexual misconduct? Maybe there are. I have never heard of them, though. But one thing I do know is that he was known for his extreme boundaries that he had in place with women, not because he didn't trust God, but because he knew that accusations could come. He wanted to keep a clear conscience for his wife who may, you know, the enemy may try to get his wife to think certain things, and he traveled a lot. So what did he do? He was known for not even getting in an elevator alone with a woman or riding in a car alone with a woman, etc., or being behind a closed door really at any moment with a woman, not because women are bad or because he just thinks that he doesn't have any kind of self-control, but because he was wanting to keep a clear conscience and set those boundaries in place so that no accusations could even be made 
against him. And so those are the kind of lives that we want to live, not only blameless before the Lord, but doing what is right in everybody else's sight around us too, so that those accusations cannot even come up. And so when we are tested, there will be promotion. So the, uh, the eunuch gave them what they asked for, and he knew, like, okay, well, if the king says anything, I have proof here that they're actually doing better. And then, from there, uh, we see that Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. If we go all the way down um, to the end, we see in verse 21, and Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. And right before that, I'm sorry, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, meaning Daniel and his friends, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, all the enchanters that were in all his kingdom. So even after doing this for three years, three years is a long time to have any kind of resolve about anything. Um, my wife and I, we lead Financial Peace University. Where This is what, our sixth session of it? Yeah, this is our sixth time leading it. And I'm telling you what, it can get tiring having a resolve to live in any area of holiness, but especially finances. And so we have to, though, endure, guys. We have to persevere is a better word because God will give us joy when we persevere. And what we see here with Daniel is that he knew that the exile was going to be 70 years. And so he was taking steps now to be able to endure or persevere for 70 years. And it says that he was in the presence of the king the entire time that he was there. So he was sustained by God himself. Now, one of the reasons that he was sustained is because he knew that there was a higher king. As we go through the book of Daniel and Rollin is going to, Pastor Rollin is going to go more through the book of Daniel, what we're going to see is that this book is not even really about Daniel as you read through it. Daniel received all kinds of visions that God said, hey, these are not for right now. Even though you're interpreting dreams for the king, I'm giving you, the, I'm giving you these visions of the coming king of kings whose dominion and kingdom will reign forever and ever so that you can have context and being able to endure here and now and that you will build for an eternal kingdom and not just get stuck in the, uh, the bottom line of your, of your profit in your company or of trying to live for the weekends because this is all you're going to have. But no, God revealed that to him. And what God wants us to take away from this book as well is that there is one who is coming, who is the king of kings forever and ever. He is the only king that went to a cross, paid for our sins, claimed to be God in the flesh, did all kinds of signs and wonders and miracles to prove that he's God in the flesh, but then, because he's not only powerful, but he's love, he did what we could not do in ourselves, and he went to the cross for us. And then, three days later, God the Father raised him from the dead. And the reason he did that, you guys heard me say it a thousand times, the reason he did that was, number one, to prove that he's the king forevermore because he's alive, but that he accepted the sacrifice and that we could be citizens of his kingdom. 
So if you're a Christian, you have dual citizenship. Whatever country you're here on earth, you're a citizen of, of course. You were born there or you were naturalized, whatever. But you have a citizenship that is going to be forever. And so we have to keep it in context as well. That's what Daniel remembered, that he's a citizen of heaven because God had adopted him into the family. And through Jesus Christ, we are adopted into the family of God, and we are no longer enemies of God, even though we were in a hostile territory right now. But the cool thing is that even though we're in this hostile territory, we can still expect not only to be tested, but to not be found wanting, to overcome the test. I want to read you guys some encouraging scriptures real quick. So this is Jesus himself. He says, I do not, this is him praying for us, the church. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. That's what I would ask for. I'd be like, Lord, you already saved me. Just hit me over the head. Take me to heaven. Let's just call it done. This is, this is hard. But Jesus says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. That's what Jesus is praying for us. Not that we would be taken out, but that we would be kept from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. If you're in Christ, you are seated in heavenly places right now with Christ Jesus. You're a dual citizen dual citizen right now, not just in the future, but you have an allegiance right now to the King of Kings. And Jesus said, pray, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, talking to God the Father. So that's what we pray as citizens of that. We want to help build that kingdom here. Just like any, any government's going to like build infrastructure, right, so that it can function, so that the people can be served. That's what we're doing here and now. And then he said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So you're not of the world, but he has purposefully, it wasn't an accident, sent you into the world on mission. If you're here today and you don't know what your mission is, God knows. And we have not because we ask not. So I encourage you, start asking. Come to the spiritual gifts training that is happening this weekend. Okay, Pastor Reggie Roberson's going to be here. He's flying all the way in from North Carolina. Give two hours and come. Find out how you have been designed and what God wants to do in you and through you and receive the power that he has for you. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. So Jesus has done what only he can do, and he has made us clean once and for all. But we need to abide and remain in him. Now we're going to talk about faith. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. But everyone, everybody say everyone, who has been born of God, that's the prerequisite there, overcomes the world. There is no temptation that you are going to experience that is more powerful than the Spirit of God inside of you. You can overcome it. Why? Because Jesus overcome it, and he's alive in you. You do not have to lay down and roll over and just say, this is too hard. No, you just have to pray and trust that God will help you, and he will. He promises. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So that's like an opening question. Who is it? It's nobody. 
you're not really going to overcome the world. You may succeed in the world, but you're not going to overcome the world unless you're in Jesus. So what do you want? Do you want prosperity and significance here and now? Or do you want to be right with the one living God who is the definition of life itself and to be with him forever? Ephesians 2, 18 through 22. For through him we both have access and one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Christ community and culture. You belong to one another now. You have common mission if you were in Christ Jesus. You get Jesus and you get the household of God, which is built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now I just want to encourage you guys before we wrap up. The world can be very... Um, like we're not, we're not enemies against the world. We're here to serve the people in the world, just as Daniel and his associates were serving within the kingdom, and they were helping the king. And so they were seeing the kindness of God, that even though they were slaves there, that he was doing it. But I want to encourage you, do not love the world, okay? Do not love the world as if it was going to last. First John two fifteen through 17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Who wants to abide forever in Jesus? I do. I don't want to waste no time desiring, lusting after things that are not going to last. That is how the devil will get you to be ineffective and unproductive in your life and in the kingdom of heaven as well. So the three points again, you have to resolve not to be defiled by the world and God will help you. And if you need that resolve after service, we want to pray for you one-on-one. If there's something that like you just you need somebody to, to to talk to about so that you can get freedom from it and you don't have resolve there, we want to help you do it. Number two, for those of us who get fiery and offended easily, stop. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Even if you're justified in your anger, chill out. Okay? Chill out. Not only when you're face-to-face with somebody, but you need to go check your Facebook, you need to go check your Twitter, you need to go check your Instagram. I've been on some of people's... I know what's on this. I don't know that much. I get frustrated. I'm like, you would not say that face-to-face to anybody. Why did you just put that on there? Okay? This is like a resume, so be careful. If you don't want anybody... Just don't... Self-control. Your, board, your walls are getting broken down and people are breaking in. You're going to have all kinds of accusations. So welcome the testing of your faith. Say, oh, great. You think that, that Jesus is, is not alive? Great. Let's talk about that and invite people with the gift of hospitality, which you can learn about this Saturday as you come to the spiritual gifts training. Exercise it and invite people in. Okay. And then number three, promoted and preserved. 
it seems counterintuitive that if you resolve to not go in the current of the world and the way the industries are going um, by first having your heart set right with God, but then if you decide to not go on, you would think that everybody would just ostracize you. But what we see is that actually Daniel, as Pastor Ron's going to keep preaching, he got promoted not only once, as we read about now, he's found ten times better than all the others, but as we go on, he got promoted three times, but each time there was major persecution beforehand, and then he ended up being like the second in command, if I remember correctly, of all of Babylon. And you want to bet something? I know that had to have some positive effect for the exile ending in 70 years and Nehemiah and the others being able to come back and to start worshiping God the way that he had commanded to be worshiped. So you don't know what God is doing, but I trust you. He is orchestrating things that are out of your control. You just need to obey knowing that he will promote you and he will preserve you. And guys, when I talk about preserving, I'm talking about he will preserve you until the end. He will preserve you until either Jesus comes back or he'll preserve you until your last breath. One or the other, he will do it. And he is faithful. For the Christian, I'm sorry, there is no such thing as retirement. <laughs> all you guys saving all your money, great. Be good stewards. That's right. But as far as your mission here on the earth, if, you're, if your heart is pumping, you, you belong to Jesus and every second matters in the kingdom. You always have a purpose, okay? Yeah. So that's, that's it, guys. We're going to pray. The worship team is going to come up. We're going to take communion. Then we're going to worship some more. And then we're going to dismiss. Well, Father God, we thank you for your word. Where you make it clear what your will is. And you give us great examples like Daniel. Who was forcefully taken, not because of his own sin even. Even though we're all sinners. But he was exiled because of generations of sinners from his grandfathers and father, Lord. And all the way down, Lord, the whole lineage and it affected him. But he humbled himself, he trusted you, and he desired to worship you even in Babylon. He put up boundaries and said, I will not cross these. And then you gave him humility, you gave him favor, you promoted him. And Lord, we don't necessarily want to be people who seek promotion or even um, seek being tested. But Lord, we ask that you would help us to receive um, your favor so that we could serve in Babylon, so we could serve in Chicago, so we could serve in the workplace, so we could serve in the school, even when we don't disagree, and even when they try to change our names and call us things that are other than what you call us, because you call us loved, you call us forgiven, you call us um, son and daughter, you call us saints, you call us all these things that the world does not see us as. They only see the mistakes. They only see the failures. They only see the, the discipline. And even then, sometimes they call us self-righteous and pious when we're just really trying to, trying to love you and help others, Lord. And so, Lord, we pray that you would um, just increase in us, Holy Spirit. I pray for those that don't know you, the King of Kings, Lord, that they would know you today and they would start living for eternity by the power of your Spirit, Lord, and stop settling for temporary success here in their jobs or 
even in families, Lord, that they would begin to see it as part of a bigger, everlasting kingdom that is coming, Lord. So we surrender to you, and we ask that you help us in Jesus' name. Amen.